I'm Abby Strauss, and welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. Dr. George Warren is a psychiatrist on the west coast of Florida. Dr. Warren, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. We are wanting to talk with you about electroconvulsive therapy. It's also known as ECT. And one of the reasons that I am interested in hearing what you have to say is because you are a doctor who actually does this. So let's begin with a nice overview question. And exactly, what is ECT? What is electroconvulsive therapy? ECT is electro, means that you induce a convulsion using electricity. And it was first discovered in 1934 by Dr. Sorletti at Beanie in Rome, Italy. And all through the 30s, the latter part of the 30s, all through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, ECT was widely used for the treatment of most any severe mental problem. Since then, medications have been developed, and we use those, if we can, to treat most problems. So ECT is a treatment reserved for the management of severe difficulties. People don't come for ECT unless they have failed a trial of medication. ECT is a generalized convulsion, which is modified using anesthesia. And about 15 years ago, a decision was made that all ECT must be given in a general hospital with an anesthesiologist providing anesthesia. This this has done away with the memory impairment that was so apparent years ago. It used to be that people who had ECT had poor memories afterwards. Oh, yes, I used to see it all the time. Yeah, and now it's rarely seen because the anesthesiologists provide a level of oxygen much greater than what they used to use. Now, I do several ECTs a week. Most of them are on an outpatient basis, and I have gone to meetings where they tell me that probably 75 to 80% of the electroconvulsive therapy done in the United States is done on an outpatient basis. The patient comes in, they are uh, evaluated by a general physician. They undergo uh, starting an IV, and then they're taken to the recovery room in a hospital where the treatment is given, which consists of electrical current passing through the skull, inducing a seizure. Well, now, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. They, there, there are two methods of doing this. Uh, one is the, where the uh, seizure threshold is found by gradually increasing the level of current. Now, that is done some places. However, uh, I'm an uh, advocate of using super-threshold treatment for all patients. What, what do you mean by that, sir? Well, that means that every time I pass the current, the patient has a seizure. Okay. And, and Paul Fink, who is a psychiatrist who has done a great deal of ECT and writing about it, advocates this approach. We use this with... Uh, no EEG. Some physicians use uh, a tracing of the, of the EEG, the brain's activity. Brainwave test. Yeah. Uh, however, that test is fraught with many misinterpretations, so we don't use it. What we see is the passage of the current, which takes about one second. The patient usually closes their eyes tightly, their feet, their toes fan, and then they've had the seizure. Now, it's, it's really very disappointing for uh, students who come and witness these procedures because they don't see anything. It's not dramatic like it used to be in the not movies. Dramatic. It usually takes oh, 8 to 15 treatments to modify or to get a person into remission from severe depression. You know, let, let's stop for a second here because I think a lot of people are concerned about when have they had an adequate number of medication or, or other trials 
such as verbal psychotherapy, cognitive therapy, or whatever. And what is that threshold point when we say to our patients, okay, sir or madam, we need to talk about ECT? That threshold is determined by the treating psychiatrist and is a product of how suicidal the person is, if there's any danger present. Because ECT gets people out of depression quickly, and uh, if they're really actively suicidal, we do it as an inpatient. But usually ECT is done as an outpatient. The patient has to come early in the morning. Usually the treatments are given before 7 a.m. because the uh, anesthesiologist reserve the rest of the day for general surgery. So the psychiatrist and the cardiologist arrive at the hospital about the same time. The cardiologist, usually using electric shock lower, for pacing reasons, us giving it uh, across the scalp. Now, most patients uh, wake up about 30 minutes after they're put to sleep, sometimes sooner. They usually leave the hospital and go eat breakfast and have their day. It's felt that they should not drive. So one of the requirements for giving ECT is that the patient have a willing, healthy person to drive for them after the treatment. Now, treatments are given uh, often several times a week, and it's considered that uh, it is a series that the treatment is given within one week of each other. What do you mean? So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then the next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that type of thing? Yes. I would happen to do a Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Friday, which is four a week. And the reason I do four a week is for my convenience, plus the patient gets through with the series fairly rapidly. And a series is 6, 10, 12? Well, 8 to 15 usually. Now, occasionally, occasionally, I'm very lucky, and maybe the patient has three treatments. Now, when I'm unlucky, the patient might have 25. You never can predict how long it's going to take for somebody to go into admission. Now, usually the patient can't tell me because they're only seen briefly by the psychiatrist. Uh, I get my information primarily from the family or the significant others that I see after the treatment. And uh, we make a decision as to whether or not to go forward the next few days. How long does an ECT treatment last? People, when they go on medications, we tell them that they need to be on it eight months or a year, longer if if this is the second or third, you know, depression. So someone's had a series. Does the antidepressant effect last for a long time? Do they have to come back and have repeats? What's the sort of um, flavor there? Well, you know what happens is people are less resistant to the antidepressants than they were prior to the treatment. It's thought that there's an increase in permeability of the brain so that uh, drugs that don't pass the blood-brain barrier do after they're they're given ECT. So someone gets ECT and then they, can we say, routinely go on an antidepressant? Yes. Okay. And those patients can, if they're lucky, be in remission all their lives. And And probably 50% of patients go into a remission for the remainder of their lives, they're able to be managed successfully with medication and psychotherapy. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Now, those that relapse, there's a protocol for that. And if they relapse within six weeks, uh, I follow the standard protocol. ECT is given the same way all over the world. It's, uh, there's, there's thought to be 50 or 60,000 electroconvulsive therapy treatments given a day all over the world. It's safe. It's safer than uh, driving across town in a car. I have seen no fatalities directly attributable to ECT, and I've been doing them 40 years, and I've probably done 20,000. Oh, my goodness. That, that's, that's an incredible 
caseload. Let's talk about the safety then, because sometimes depressions occur to pregnant women. And there's been discussion over the years whether or not it's even safe for pregnancy. Is there a standard or a protocol for that now? Well, I've never given ECT to a pregnant woman. Most women, when they're pregnant, put out chorionic gonadotrophin from their placenta, so the depression lifts while they're pregnant. Then it returns afterwards. One of the ways we used to tell a woman was depressed was we could go to the graveyard and uh, she would have 15 kids. Hmm. And when she was in when she was pregnant, she was in remission. And so we know that those people usually were depressed. Depression runs in families. It's thought to be hereditary, but the exact means of, of genetic transmission is unknown. It is known that people that look alike and uh, have the same basic body chemistry usually have the same illness, and they're treatable the same way somebody else in the family is. So, so history from the family is a very central and important piece yes. in the background here. Yeah. What about other conditions, like one reads that it is sometimes used for schizophrenia or was used for schizophrenia? Is that Well, we use it for schizophrenia only when the patient becomes extremely depressed, is a danger to themselves, is intractable to medications, and it's like cleaning a blackboard. It's not as efficacious as it is for depression. The best person for depression is a person over the age of 60 who is anxious, feels that medications cause severe side effects and doesn't want to take them, and losing weight and becomes delusional, has thoughts that are not in keeping with reality, and they're usually paranoid. Now, they have the best outlook. Patients who are catatonia have a 100% remission rate. Could you define catatonia for the folks? Well, that's if you are so anxious that you're immobile. A person doesn't move at all. They have what's called waxy flexibility. You place their arm in one position and it stays there. They're mute. They don't eat, and it becomes a medical emergency that uh, you have to do the ECT. And they usually get into remission with two or three treatments. If, if you're going to have ECT, the best thing is to be elderly, your first episode of depression, to be very anxious, and to have a delusion. There has been in the last 10, 15 years such a debate, shall we say, in the media about ECT. It's safe, it's not safe, It's it's been uh, outlawed, brought back into um, acceptance. Where are we now? Is there Are the legislators and the governments accepting it, or are we still having this debate? Governments are accepting it. It is safer than it used to be. Everybody has seen the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson, where ECT was given without anesthesia, and it was very frightening. It's horrible. It, it hurt a great deal, and people broke bones. It was dangerous. Now, with uh, where the, the seizure is modified with medication, we typically give people Brevitol to go to sleep, which is a rapid-acting barbiturate. Uh, if we can't use that because the patient's been on monoamine oxidase inhibitors, we use something else called propofol. We give the patient a muscle relaxant so that they don't move any voluntary muscle, and all you see is Really, the head wrinkles a little bit, and uh, their toes fan. It's a very interesting thing what you just said, that if someone is on a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, Nardil, Parnate, MSAM, or one of them, they can still have this treatment because so often if they're on those medications and we have to roll them to another uh, drug, another uh, pharmaceutical, it's a washout period. It's a whole time-consuming endeavor, and you don't have to do that. That's an intriguing difference. Yeah. The, The only patient that's really risky doing ECT is somebody who has only one tooth. Those people, sometimes their tooth can snap off at the time of the treatment because the patient does bite down. Now, what we do when such patients show 
is we cut the bite block so that the tooth doesn't touch the bite block. That means destroying the bite block, but uh, sometimes we have to do that. So dentition is a very important factor in giving ECT. If somebody has really bad teeth, we often decline to give ECT, and we tell them they have to see their dentist and get cleared. Interesting. So they'd have to make a bite plate to, to protect further damage. That's right. Interesting. Very interesting. So, so dentistry is very important with uh, ECT. One wouldn't ordinarily think that. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I evaluate a person for ECT, I routinely ask them if they floss. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. We often hear that there are different styles of ECT, bilateral versus unilateral. Are those still separate options for you folks, or is that an old no. piece of history? You see, the, what happened was uh, unilateral ECT was thought to be good because it didn't cause memory impairment. The Medicare and most insurers no longer cover unilateral, so we get modified bilateral. We go over the middle of one eye and over the opposite temple. And we give those treatments the same way all over the world. And what's intriguing to me as I listen to you, and I'm picturing the person listening to this who may have had ECT or someone in their family had ECT or who might even be presenting with the need for ECT, is that the memory issues have been dramatically dropped because of more oxygen being given by the anesthesiologist, if That's I understand true. it. That's incredible. Well, people were aware how important the oxygen was. They became aware that the people that had really severe memory impairment often were anoxic during the procedure. So that's been corrected by that that requirement that the anesthesia must be given by an anesthesiologist. And as we progress and better understand these procedures, we are making them safer and safer and more and more effective. Dr. George Warren is a psychiatrist over in the Clearwater, Tampa Bay area. Clearly, he is an expert in ECT and has had a considerable amount of personal experience using it. And we do appreciate you coming to us today and giving us a little bit more detail and background and personal observations about the evolution of a treatment that's been around since the mid-1930s or 1935, I believe. 34. 34. And I do wholeheartedly suggest that if ECT becomes something that one must consider in either oneself or in a family. Have a good talk with a psychiatrist, learn as much as you can about it, and have the most accurate and contemporary data around so the decision is made on really solid evidence and not, unfortunately, um, shall we say, a lot of the hearsay that went around for so many years. That's true. I thank you very much, sir. Have a good day, and we will uh, call you again when something new in ECT comes along and we need an update. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. See you later.